Our opening words this morning are a blessing that was written to honor two Unitarians, Martha and Waitstill Sharp, who in World War II dared to risk their own comfort in order to help save the lives of those in desperate need. As we gather together, may we remember when you share with me that which is most important to you, that is where listening begins. When I show you that I hear you, when I say that your life matters, that is where compassion begins. When I open the door to greet you, that is where hospitality begins. And when I venture out to bring you shelter, that is where love begins. When I risk my comfort to ease your suffering, when I act against hatred, violence, and injustice, that is where courage begins. When we experience the full presence of each other because of our shared humanity, because of our differences, that is where holy gratitude begins. May this space be a table that is not complete until all are welcome here. May this table be a place of beauty where together we create a series of miracles and where all that we share is sacred. May this be so. And come, let us worship together. Once upon a time, there lived a valiant red rooster who was living with a kind old woman on a sweet little farm, and life was good. Every day, the rooster would wake up the old woman by calling out, Coo-coo-ree-coo-ree! And the old woman would come out and throw a few handfuls of grain, and the rooster would eat, and it was lovely. Until one morning, the rooster cried, coo-coo-ree-coo-ree, and the old woman didn't come out. Oh, no. He cried again, coo-coo-ree-coo-ree, don't forget about me. But still, she didn't come out. He tried one more time, coo-coo-ree-coo-ree, don't forget about me. Still nothing. So he flew into the house, and there he found the old woman sitting and crying. Oh, no, dear one, she said. There's no food, and there's no money to buy any food. I don't know what will become of us. To which the rooster replied, You have taken care of me since I hatched from an egg. Now I will take care of you. And so the rooster went out onto the road, and he followed along behind the carts as they went by, and little bits of grain would fall out from the carts all over the road, and the rooster just started picking them up. And he just filled his gizzard. He didn't eat them right away. He just filled his gizzard with grain. And then he carried that grain in his gizzard to the miller, and he had the miller grind it into flour. And then he filled his gizzard with flour, and he carried that to the baker, and he had the baker bake it into bread. And then he put the bread in his gizzard, and he carried it back to the old woman. Mm-hmm. And this is how they lived from day to day. 
until one day, as the rooster was out on the road, pecking away, he turned over a rock, and there was a leather pouch that had been buried there for a very long time, it looked like. What could be in the leather pouch? The rooster pecked at it until he got it open, and lo and behold, it was a diamond. Oh, we will never go hungry again, thought the rooster. I will take this diamond to the market and sell it, and we will have all the food we will ever need. And so the rooster picked up the diamond and started to carry it along. He hadn't gone very far down the road when a grand carriage going the other way came by. And who was in the carriage but the mighty sultan, who saw a rooster carrying a diamond down the road and called out to his guards, get me that diamond, which they did. They grabbed the rooster, they took away the diamond, they gave it to the sultan, who put it in his mighty giant red trousers to take home. And the rooster very indignantly cried out, Kukuri, Kuri, that diamond belongs to me. But nobody cared. And so the valiant red rooster, who would not give up this easily, flew to the window of the sultan, found his bedroom window, and vowed to sit there and crow day and night until he got the diamond back. But it didn't take very long of him sitting on the window crying out, Kukuri, Kuri, that diamond belongs to me, before the sultan called his guards and said, get rid of the rooster. The guards said, how shall we do it? And the sultan said, throw him in a deep, dark well full of water. So they did. Do you think that was the end of the valiant red rooster? No. No. No, it wasn't, because remember the magic gizzard. All right, so the valiant red rooster going down into the well of water cried out, come my magic gizzard, come my magic gizzard and swallow up all the water, which he did, didn't drown, flew back to the window of the sultan and cried out again, kukuri, kuri, you can't get rid of me. The sultan called his guards back again. I told you to get rid of the rooster. We did. We threw him in the well. Well, this time, put him in a furnace. So they did. They grabbed the rooster, and they put him in the furnace of the palace. Do you think that was the end of the valiant red rooster? No. Because as soon as he goes into the furnace, he cries out, come, my magic gizzard, come, my magic gizzard, and let out all the water. Yes. And out went the fire. And the valiant red rooster flew back to the sultan's window and cried out, Kukuri, Kuri, you can't get rid of me. Well, this time when the guards were called, the sultan was very, very angry and said, just take care of the rooster. And so all the guards could think of was, well, we'll put him in a beehive. So they did. They grabbed the rooster and they shoved him in a beehive full of angry bees. Do you think that was the end of the valiant red rooster? No. Come, my magic gizzard, come, my magic gizzard, and swallow up all the bees. He didn't get stung a single time. All the bees just flew into his gizzard. 
And he flew back to the sultan's window and cried out, do it with me, Kukuri Kuri, you can't get rid of me. This time the sultan thought, I'm surrounded by incompetence, I'll just have to do this myself. And being a very large man, his plan was to sit on the rooster and crush it. So he grabbed the rooster, and he had just put it in the back of his large, fancy red trousers and was about to sit on it when, do you think that was the end of the Valiant Red Rooster? <laughs> come, my magic gizzard, come, my magic gizzard, and let out all the That was enough for the sultan. All right, I've learned my lesson. He gave the diamond back to the valiant red rooster, who happily carried it to market, traded it for money, filled his gizzard with money, took it home to the old lady, and they never went hungry ever again. Our first reading today is A Faith for the Free, offered by James Luther Adams. A faith that is not the sister of justice is bound to bring people to grief. It thwarts creation, a divinely given possibility. It robs them of their birthright of freedom in an open universe. It robs the community of the spiritual richness latent in its members. It reduces the person to a beast of burden in slavish subservience to a state, a church, or a party, a God made by human hands. Our second reading is the Edict of Torda and Religious Tolerance. The year 1568 in Europe was not an era of religious tolerance. In fact, this was the year when King Charles IX of France issued the Edict of St. Mar, which prohibited all religions except Catholicism. The wars fought in subsequent years killed over three million people and were largely fueled by religious intolerance. At the same time in 1568, the year reckoned by some to be the beginning of the Catholic Inquisition in the Netherlands, marking the beginning of 80 years of bloodshed in the name of God, in the name of empire. Today, if you Google 1568 religious intolerance, what comes up is not the Spanish Inquisition in the Netherlands or the Edict of St. Mar. Rather, at the top of the search results is the Edict of Torda. Because in 1568 was not only the year of great religious genocide in Europe, it was also the first time in history that religious tolerance based on the principles of freedom of conscience became, for a time, the rule in the land of Transylvania. Soon, we will celebrate the 452nd year anniversary of the Edict of Torda, when King John Sigismund of Transylvania at the Diet of Torda proclaimed 
in part. In every place, preachers shall preach and explain the gospel, each according to his understanding of it. And if the congregation like it, well. If not, no one shall compel them, for their souls would not be satisfied. But they shall be permitted to keep a preacher whose teaching they approve. Therefore, let none of the superintendents or others shall abuse the preachers. No one shall be reviled for his religion by anyone, according to the previous statutes. And it is not permitted that anyone should threaten anyone else by imprisonment or by removal from his post for his teaching. For faith is a gift of God and comes from hearing, which hearing is by the word of God. So ends our readings. Isten áldjon, God bless you. If you would come and knock on the door of our house in Transylvania, I would open the door and greet you by saying, Isten áldjon, God bless you. Isten hozott, God brought you here. And I would invite you in and invite you to have a seat. And probably I would also offer you some pálinka, brandy, and I would be very proud if that brandy is made out of the plums or apples which grew ripe in my garden. I would also want to show my welcoming love and openness by handing you gifts, valuable gifts, and the most important value of those gifts would be the sincere love and care coming from my heart. I am sure those of you who have already been to Kishoimosh know exactly what I am speaking about. Here in uh, the U.S., uh, as we experienced since we are here, you also have ways of politely and kindly welcoming people who you may not know. Greeting and introducing, an encouraging smile, a few simple words saying something nice about the stranger's looks, outfit, or in our case, our children. Since we are uh, here in uh, the United States, I constantly try to get over my disappointment for not being invited for a glass of brandy <laughs> every time I visit a family or a church. But here in Olympia, I was very surprised to have the chance of being invited for a glass of brandy from Kishoimosh, <laughs> your partner church in the Transylvanian Unitarian Church. And that's uh, even more important for me 
because Kishoimosh is the village in which my grandfather was born, and my grandfather's father was a Unitarian minister there. We as a family arrived in the United States in August last year. My name is Elude Sabu. I am Unitarian minister in Urmös, a town located in the southeastern corner of Transylvania, in the center of Romania, near the city of Brasov. We came together with my family, my wife Kata, she is a preschool teacher. My older son, Magor, is seven years old, and the younger is four-year-old. His name is Regu. They are back home in California, in Berkeley. Our congregation has around 580 members. Around 80 of them, mostly young families, live in the city or somewhere further, some of them even in Western European countries. The town is inhabited by three ethnic groups the Roma, Hungarians, and Romanians. There is a sense of rivalry and there are tensions between these different ethnic and religious groups. But through the years and through the centuries, people in general have developed a natural way of accepting and respecting each other. Even though Transylvanian Unitarian history is a long narrative about a religious ethnic minority struggling for survival under often adverse rulers and governments, we Unitarians in Urmös are a majority. As we speak about the rich heritage of religious tolerance and freedom, we also have many opportunities of speaking and acting in the name of these high ideals. Our partner church in the Unitarian Universalist community is the first Unitarian Universalist Church of New Orleans, which we have visited earlier this year. I came to the United States through a scholarship called, after an early 20th century Transylvanian Unitarian minister and poet, Francis Bollage, who also traveled in the United States to study to American Unitarian siblings. The scholarship brings a Hungarian Unitarian minister to Berkeley every year to study at the Star King School for the Ministry. Besides studying, the aim of this scholarship is to strengthen the relationship between you, American Unitarian Universalists, and us, Unitarians in Transylvania and Hungary. These facts probably gave some kind of an answer to the question, who I am, who we are. Let me tell you a story from our national tradition that may help me answer another possible question you may ask. Why am I here? Friar Julian was a Dominican monk living in the Kingdom of Hungary in the 13th century. He read and heard a lot about the history of Hungarians. He knew that his people arrived in the Carpathian Basin 400 years before him from the old homeland in the steppes of Central Asia. Reading and hearing the stories of this big journey, the idea of another big journey strengthened in his soul. He decided to travel to the unknown place where these legendary ancestors once lived, to discover the old homeland and maybe even find some of the descendants of the Hungarians who hadn't joined the majority 
when the grand journey began. Brother Julian sacrificed many years of his life to get prepared for this dangerous and long journey. He walked enormous distances. He survived diseases, attacks, loneliness, fatigue, doubts, and fear. And at the end of this long journey of suffering, he found the place and the people he looked for. This is how he described these people, these unknown relatives, brothers and sisters forgotten for many centuries. They are pagans. They know nothing about God. They don't worship any idols either, but they live like wild men. They don't farm on the fields, they eat horse and wolf meat, they drink horse milk and blood. They have lots of weapons and horses, and they are very brave when it comes to fighting. Although centuries have passed, although they seemed so different, they seemed barbarians, he could understand their language, and he was able to communicate with them. The dream came true, and the journey full of suffering and sacrifices got a meaning. Julian traveled home, and he may have not changed the people he met. He didn't try to convert them to Christianity. But instead, he changed a lot through experiences, suffering, finding something new that was very old, in fact. He spoke and he wrote a lot about his journey. And in this way, he probably changed his own people, opening for them new horizons of identity and awareness. I am convinced we can leave some of the politeness of the strangers behind us. I believe you will understand me when I say that you and us, American Unitarian Universalists and Transylvanian Unitarians, are not meant to invite each other in the most comfortable armchairs of our homes and of our communities. I believe we will be blessed if we invite each other to the housetops of our houses. I know that may sound rude, but I also know it is surely authentic. Jesus was no stranger to his disciples, and he invited them to the housetops. What I tell you in the dark, utter in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim upon the housetops. I find powerful and great meaning in these words. These words call disciples and call us to discover courage, conviction, sensibility in our lives and realize our calling and understand the joy to make sacrifices for a better world in which justice prevails. Another rooftop comes into my mind. The Fiddler on the Roof is a story about surviving not only in body, but also keeping the integrity of the soul. The fiddler on the roof is the symbol of the person or the community which tries to survive in the darkest times and experiences through faith, tradition, and joy. This way of surviving is conditioned by the purity of the soul. Only those people and those communities can sing their joys and sorrows whose souls are whole and pure. Evil is never able to sing or play music. Times are dark. I have heard that several times, 
and we all experience that in our lives and our world. Times were always dark, but this doesn't make the darkness of our times more acceptable. You American Unitarians and Universalists say times are dark. And you have long decades, even centuries of tradition of climbing on the housetops and proclaiming truths that many other individuals and groups supported, but kept those truths for themselves or maybe whispered them in the ears of friends, brothers, and sisters. You may know that your proclaiming courage seems sometimes strange and weird for Transylvanian Unitarians. Sometimes we look upon you as Friar Julian described his ethnic relatives. <laughs> we criticize you because you don't mention God as often as we do. But we admit you don't worship any idols either. <laughs> Your food and drink may not be the meat of horses and wolves, horse milk and blood, but they look, smell, and taste different as ours. But we also admire your horses and weapons, your resources and your bravery and commitment when it comes to fighting for your truths, principles, and justice. We all need to be aware of the differences in our history, our past and present, language and culture, and we need to see each other, to accept each other, to relate to each other, by respecting those differences. We Transylvanian Unitarians also live in a country that experienced dark times. Let me tell you just one story, a tragic and frightening story that speaks about times in our country, Romania. A few months ago, just before we left our country, Two teenage girls were kidnapped, raped, and killed by a man in a small town in South Romania. The news were shocking and frightening in itself. At first, it seemed like just a crime of a mentally ill criminal, but the whole truth was even worse. Investigation, mostly done by the press, proved that one of the girls called police several times hours before she was killed. Police knew the house where the girls were kept, but didn't intervene. The criminal was a member of an organization which kidnapped lots of girls and sold them to be prostitutes in European countries. Highly ranked officers of the police seemed to be part of the organization. Times are dark when criminals are wearing uniforms of law and justice. Times are dark when children are sold as slaves. Times are dark when a survey shows that more than a half of the population of our country, Romania, thinks that victims of rapes are in some way responsible for the crimes they suffered. Times are dark when many think and loudly say that verbal and physical violence is useful in families, schools, and many fields of life. Church and religion are getting weaker, more and more say that church and religion are not needed anymore. And we probably don't need churches and religion which keep us in the dark and convince us that nothing can be and should be changed. Things should stay just as they are. This is definitely not the word and the will of God.
Real religion, authentic church is needed as it was always needed when times were dark. We need to wake hope in our people's souls. Convince them that even though times are dark, the world around us can and should be changed. We need to forget the whispering and realize that our place is on the house tops of prophetic proclamation. We need to realize and make others realize that in a community not indifferent to suffering, uncompromisingly impatient with cruelty and falsehood, continually concerned for God and every man, crime would be infrequent rather than common. We need to strengthen our own faith and each other's faith that our world is not looking for perfect people and people of infinite power. The world instead needs us, individuals and small communities, which may be considered insignificant in numbers, but their courage, faith, and hope, which are rooted in their innocence and good intentions, can really make a difference. Sometimes we American Unitarian Universalists and Transylvanian Unitarians seem strangers to each other. There are times when temptation is strong to say we have very few or nothing in common. So maybe we should forget each other. Different languages, principles, goals, methods, environment. If we want to find a way of continuing our common journey, we need the efforts Julian made. Friar Julian, brother Julian. It involves traveling thousands of miles, physically and spiritually. It involves seeking, believing, sacrificing, persevering, paying attention. It involves the humility of accepting the possibility that meeting each other in a deep spiritual way could change both communities, both sides. It involves acknowledging the fact that as we grow to know each other more and more, we will never be able to judge each other, forget each other, turn our eyes away from each other anymore. We can discover the common roots in the past, but we have to discover the common goals in the future. We can discover that we can become blessings for each other. We can proclaim our truths together. We can sing our hymns together and our voice can be louder. Our song can be wealthier and truth and justice will have better chances of glory. I, the new Friar Julian, invite you to this journey. I, brother Elud from Transylvania, trying to conquer all kinds of distances and language barriers, invite ourselves to join each other on the rooftops of justice work, to join hands, faith, hope, knowledge, and love, and give a better chance to a world that is a better place for everyone. Amen. <laughs>